Our final scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. You can find this on page 1620 of your Pew Bibles. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are free of your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord said, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with the, all the wonderful things he was doing. We need to talk about how what we tell people, no, you're not receiving love and compassion today. You, nope, you, you are not receiving love and compassion today. Deb, Deb, Deb's not receiving love and compassion today. Everyone okay with this? Can I get a vote? Excellent, good, fantastic, good congregation. But we, we need to talk about the ways that we do that. I'm going to get to us in a minute, but first we need to talk about this story. And I took it out of the manuscript, but I'm going to add it back in. I called this Pastor Rob Super Bummer Storytelling Time. So we have a woman, and she comes to the temple, and she is bent over. Scripture calls it a spirit. I may lean a little bit towards a medical condition that the Israelites 2,000 years ago could not diagnose and did not understand, but well, spirit's fine. Had bent her over for 18 years. Now, I've talked to people who are bent over for 18 years. Well, not 18 years, but bent over for a period of time. And it's not just the inconvenience that's the problem. It's also the pain. They're in agonizing pain almost the entire time. It's awful. She is suffering. Just in need of something. And Jesus sees her. And there was a part of me that thought Jesus schemed and was like, oh, there's this woman I can heal. People can see a miracle. People will believe in me more. Excellent. But the more I thought of the more, I'm like, no, you know what Jesus probably was like? Jesus was like, I love you, dear woman. Be healed. 
let your suffering end. Just an act of compassion. And for me, that just sounds like the empathetic right thing to do, right? I have something, a way that I can love you that no one else can right now. So I will do that. I will relieve your pain, relieve your agony, relieve you from where you are suffering. And the church people are like, nope, nope, no, no. Bad Jesus. Bad Jesus. It's the Sabbath. She can wait a few more hours till the sun goes down and then she can be healed. You need to wait. She's been suffering for 18 years. What's a few more hours? I want you to just sit there and think about that for a second. Because that's effectively the argument that they're making. She's suffered for 18 years. What's a few more hours? And then you can keep the Sabbath perfect, right? What's a few more hours? It's not like she walked, was walking to the temple and like a chariot or whatever would hit them and 2,000 years ago, Israel, I'm assuming chariot, a chariot hit her. It's not like a thief beat her up. Though, if you read that parable about the Samaritan, the priests might not like touching a body like that, but whatever. It's not like this just happened. She was there 18 years. And you know, that sounds like a real good argument. And it just proves a point that as they interpreted scripture, they did not interpret scripture through a lens of love and compassion. As they read the law, they read the law as a means to earning God's favor. And this isn't a one-off. Let's, let's remember this. There's a couple of healings on Sabbaths. There's also the disciples walking through a field, and as they're walking, plucking grains. And the church people were like, no, that's work. Don't do that. God wants you to go hungry as opposed to picking a head of grain off a stalk. And what they said to this woman is, God wants you to suffer for a couple more hours. I'm not sure why I'm popping, but it is what it is. I want you to suffer for a couple more hours. That's what they believed God wanted. I want you, they believed God wanted this woman to continue suffering because she had the audacity to meet Jesus on Christmas. Okay, I'm gonna take two seconds and see if I can make this better. Is that better? That is better. Awesome. They had the, they believe. Let's try this again. They believed that God wanted her to suffer longer so the Sabbath could be perfectly fulfilled. They believed that God wanted her to suffer longer. Do I need to say it again for the cheap seats? 
They believed that God wanted her to suffer longer. That's what they believed. There's no love and compassion in this interpretation of Scripture. There's no joy. There's just gaining favor with God. As much as I can tell, that's the only way that they interpreted the law. And I mean, there's that verse from Mark that says, Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. And I can make a sermon about that, but I'm just going to say this. If you read scripture and love and compassion is not the lens that you're reading scripture through, then you're getting it wrong. Like that's, that is the lens that we need to be reading this. If you read the law of the Old Testament and love and compassion, God's love for God's creation is not what you read that through, then you are missing the point. This isn't just for our ancient Israelite sisters and brothers, though. It's not just them. We are just as capable of doing it. When you live your life, are you making your decisions actively, intentionally, in compassion, making your decisions based upon love? When you're on social media, when you post on social media, are you posting in a way that actually loves another person? When you are talking about your political, your political heroes, are you judging them on a lens of love? When you are talking about politicians you disdain, are you viewing them with the love of Christ? And when you talk about your disdain for them, are you lovingly doing this or are you using words that should be shameful? And it's not just that. When you go to the voting booth, are you voting in love or are you voting in your own self-interest? Let's just think about some things. Healthcare. Do you think that healthcare should be dependent on your employment, on your financial situation, on your location? Do you think that access to food should be dependent on your social economic class and your access to transportation? Do you think morality is dependent on your theological leanings? Do you think that God's love is dependent on the number of hours you volunteered for committee work? on what you wore to church, on if you got a shower that day, on if you attended Bible study enough, on if you attended church enough, on if you sang in the choir or rightfully didn't sing in the choir. Do you think that God's love is dependent on any of these things? Or do you think, no, people should be able to go to the doctor when they're sick. And people should be able to have food. And, you know, God loves everyone. 
And maybe political party and theological leaning is not a sign of morality. This season, this season, we have been talking about wanting God to turn us to something better. And today, we talk about God wanting us to turn, wanting to turn us to love. Are you looking at this world through a lens of compassion and love, or are you looking through this world of a lens of self-interest? Are you actively making decisions to love? Because this isn't an automatic thing. We automatically choose what's best for us. Like that, That's just what we automatically do. That's what our evolutionary minds are set up to do. Are you actively and intentionally choosing to love? And we're coming up on an election. Are you actively choosing to be loving in the election cycle? Are you actively choosing who you vote for based upon love and compassion? And please, 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 please do not hear me telling you to vote for anyone in particular. I'm not. I'm just saying. Make your decisions not on your own self-interest, not on what you think will benefit you the best, but on who and what and how people can be loved and shown compassion most. We are praying for God to turn us to love. And when Christ comes again, this world will turn to perfect love, and that's wonderful. But today, 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 we can turn ourselves to love. Not perfectly, but we can actively, intentionally choose to love and show compassion.